people. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. So tune in. everybody welcome to chronicles abroad i am your host nubia and i'm francis we have a special guest with us today miss ivana robinson hello <laughs> all Thank the way from me. brussels yes what's going the sun on came in- out today so is it normally not sunny no no <laughs> doesn't come out a whole lot oh that would not do me any justice how's the food though i eat a lot of fries and a lot of waffles and chocolate. So. Well, I guess you can't complain about that. No, not even a little bit. That's why I should be. You know I love waffles. And <laughs> She'll sit on the phone forever talking about something. I think I want pancakes. I don't know, maybe I want waffles. <laughs> or, you know what, this is French Toast Place. How far would it be if I walked to get French Toast Place? Like, <laughs> it's like this whole dialogue about... You got to weigh your options. How much do you really want it? It's real. It's a real struggle. It's an internal struggle. No, for real. I don't keep a stock fridge because I know I'll just be like craziness. If I want it, I got to go walk and go get it. Thank you, Southeast Asia. But go ahead. (laughs) Ivana, your plan initially was to move to Latin America, specifically Mexico City. So just walk us through how you ended up in Brussels. Yeah. So my company has a whole global deployment program where you have an opportunity to go to one of our offices in another country and work there. Spanish is really my second language. So I was like, hey, Latin America, that would be cool. I really love Mexico City. But in terms of an actual job opportunity with what I do, it just wasn't coming together. And one of the partners was like, you should look into Belgium. Our Brussels office really needs help right now. So I did. And about six months later, I was here in Brussels. Wow. So prior to you getting into their global deployment program, did you choose the company that you worked for based on the simple fact that they had a global presence? Yeah, no, that was definitely one of the draws to the company. I interned with them in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I studied information management and international business. So other than the fact that I like to travel and I wanted to do something, you know, global eventually and live abroad, I didn't really know what that meant in terms of an industry or a job that I wanted. So I essentially sort of went for a company that I guess had values and things that I liked and I enjoyed the people that worked there and they do a lot of things. So if I come in and, you know, I do IT audit now, but if I decide that that's not what I want to do later, I don't necessarily have to leave the company to do something else. That's a sweet deal. Um, So that was kind of my thought process was, oh, I can go and I can, you know, work in different industries for a while and see what I like and figure out from there what my next move would be. Uh, So we're definitely going to dive a little bit more deeper into how you found that job and all that good stuff. But can you tell us when did you realize that you had a love for travel and like that's what you wanted to do? I guess so. I went to a I guess it's a magnet school for elementary and middle school. And the essentially eighth grade trip was to Europe. And if they didn't fill the trip with eighth graders, they would let a few 
seventh graders go with them. So when I was 13, I was one of those lucky seventh graders who got to go to Italy and Switzerland. That's awesome. And it was amazing. And I, I enjoyed the trip. But then the next year, when I was in the eighth grade, we went to Spain. And that's when I really, I think, fell in love with travel. I, we went to Barcelona. And something about the vibe in Barcelona, I was just like, this is my place. I will be back here. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of, I think, was the first time where I was like, oh, like, I can go and do other things and be places and, that are more exciting to me. I grew up in Colorado. And I never really felt like I fit into the Colorado vibe or that it was home really. So it was really great being able to go somewhere and actually feel connected to the place that I was in. Nice. So was this the first country that you actually lived abroad? Uh, no, in college, I studied abroad actually in, I spent a semester in Spain and then like six weeks in England. Okay. So why did you initially plan to want to relocate to Latin America? Was it because that first initial, you know, experience? I guess over the last couple of years, I've, I've done a fair amount of traveling in, in Latin America. I went to Mexico, Colombia, Brazil, and I just really like the vibe down there. And even in places like Mexico City, where I still stood out as like a black woman, it still was a very comfortable place. Like it, it was standing out in a different way, I think than I was used to. And the food and the people were just wonderful and always very warm and inviting. So mm -hmm. I was like, let me, I would really just like to spend, you know, more time here. So how does Latin America compare to where you are now? I guess I haven't thought of it. I think they're very different to me, but I guess I also have to compare it differently in that I had never stepped foot in Belgium before I moved here. I'd been to a lot of other countries in Western Europe, but somehow completely missed Belgium. It's similar in that I think people are very open and warm, but I think Europe is a little more what I'm used to. I think it's a little, the culture is a little similar to being in the U.S. and Brussels in particular is similar to D.C. because it's also, you know, capital of the EU and has a very large international population where people are constantly moving in and out and a lot of things are just very government focused. Wow. Yeah, because you said there was a big group of Congolese immigrants. Yes. In your neighborhood. Yes. So Belgium colonized the Congo. So a lot of the black people that are here are of Congolese descent or other French speaking African countries. So I've met a lot of people from Senegal and Cameroon. And then my particular neighborhood that I live in, I haven't figured out exactly where people are from, but I hear a lot of Spanish and Portuguese. So okay, sounds diverse for the most part. Yeah, pretty interesting place to live for sure. Got it. Before we started the recording, I was telling you that I thought that your story would be awesome because it fits right in line. We get a lot of listeners who appreciate the thought of wanting to move abroad and maybe teach. But there's plenty of others that are saying, well, what if I don't want to teach, right? right? How do you break it to the global market? Can you just walk us through, you know, some steps or some resources or advice you would give somebody who's looking to go into international work? I think for me, it definitely was about finding a company that had a global presence, but also a global presence in a place that I wanted to be mm. or places that I was interested in being. I guess that's one thing that I definitely remember looking into is what were my options outside of, you know, their D.C. office, even within the United States of, you know, at one point, if I want to leave or go somewhere else, what are my options? Do I have to start over? I kind of thrive in sort of a 
a sense of security in that I don't necessarily have to completely start over to do something else or go somewhere else and having that sort of flexibility. And I think finding a company that has sort of that flexibility and those options, which I think a lot of companies now are moving towards because they know Mm -hmm. that it is something of interest to people. And if they have a formalized program like my company does, then I think that that definitely helps as well. Now, were you with the company for a long period of time before you jumped into this program or was it like, I'm here. Hey, what's up? You got a place for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the way that, that our program is set up to be eligible for it, you have to, I believe, be at least a senior consultant and have been with the company for a year. So since I started just out of college, I became eligible about three years into my career. And I guess it was about just after four years is when I actually moved to Belgium. So you put in the work. Yeah. She's like, I'm waiting patiently. She's like, I'm waiting for this. <laughs> right? <Someone laughs> Very like me much. Come through the door was, like, so where y'all sending me? <laughs> it was a lot of conversations even before I studied of like, hey, I, I want to do global. I, you know, I was known in the office as the girl who liked to travel and do other things. So as soon as I became eligible, it was then having those conversations with my teams and the people that I was working with to say, hey, this is what I want to do within, you know, the next year, year and a half. So how can, you know, you help me get there, but also how can I help our projects not suffer with me trying to leave? How can we transition this to someone else? So that's great that your employer was open to doing that and making that happen for you. It's quite convenient. Yeah, I think it's definitely important that if you are going that route to find a company that does have, you know, a supportive network and people that you kind of vibe with and that organizational culture that works for you, because then I think they will understand that you're on their side, but also be more willing to help you make those different transitions just to keep you in the fold. Gotcha. So when you made this, uh, not to backtrack a little bit, but I I guess I am going to backtrack. (laughs) But when you decided to move abroad, how did your family respond Were they supportive or did you receive some resistance? My mom is pretty much amazing. I told her, hey, I'm moving to Belgium. And she instantly started looking up hair salons and plane (laughs) tickets. That's awesome. So... Hair salons. That's so, a real listen. Right. Okay. It's really important. So mm-hmm. she understood that I was going and, you know, she was very excited to come visit me. My mom was definitely on board. I think over the last few years, I travel a lot. So I think it kind of helped her get used to the idea of me not living in the U.S. And I moved to D.C. for college and was there on my own. So I think it's been a slow, like, work in process to get everyone on the same page. So I don't think it was a surprise. I think the surprise was more that it was Belgium, because Mm -hmm. I've been talking about Mexico for forever. And, you know, so then I had other family members of like, why Belgium? Do you speak Belgian? No, because no one speaks Belgian. That's not a thing. You know, you don't know anybody. (laughs) You're like, no, but they got waffles. (laughs) Right. I was like, no, I don't. I don't know. They spoke to me in English, so we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's funny because um, when I told, I was talking to my cousin probably like a couple months ago, and he's like, you know, how does that, how's Japan working out? Because Japan is known to, listen, either you, you speak Japanese or you don't. We're not we're not going to make adjustments. Or you just, so he's like, how do you get around? I'm just like, I don't know. I just do. But most of the time there's like, you know, some English speaking uh, words, but. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, 
resources and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. there's a lot of universal languages and a lot of it is hand gestures and you know just different stuff i mean we all live in different countries where english is not the native tongue no but we make a way so how has the trans- transition been to belgium for you it's interesting being in a place where i don't speak any of the native languages their you know na- main languages are french dutch and german i don't speak any of that but the people here are really i feel like warm and welcoming too having, you know, foreigners and people from other places. So even when someone doesn't speak English, they're willing to do that hand gesture dance with you and figure out what it is that you need or how to help you. Mm. Or there's someone, you know, in the grocery store with you who who does speak English and they will help translate for you. And it never seems like an annoyance or something like people are always seem to be willing to help you figure out where you need to be or what something is or whatever you need. And I think that really helped making the transition because I going to the grocery store is extremely stressful because I don't know any of the brand and I don't speak French or Dutch. So it's just, is this the right sugar? I don't know. Same but this is why I eat out. Figuring it out. Wait, can I, can I tell y'all real quick? So I have a girlfriend of mine went to the grocery store here in Thailand and she picked up a packet of what she believed to be sugar. And she goes home, she makes her tea and she pours it in the packet. Do you guys know what it was? Oh my God. Was it salt? It was MSG. Which say salt. Oh God. Here's here's salt. (laughs) They sell it. They sell it. MSG freely, right? So it's the same thing. I bought some beans I thought were lentil. I was going home. I was making me some lentil soup. These beans would not simmer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was still. And I was like, what are they? And they looked exactly like lentils, but they definitely weren't. They were not. So believe me. They were not. It's like, I look at things and I'm just like, but it looks like, and I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm just like, either you tried or you don't. It's like, what are you going to (laughs) do? Exactly. Yeah, that's the same thing with uh, my peanut butter story. I was I was craving peanut butter. I was like, man, I, I just want some peanut butter. I just want something from home. And I go, and, you know, it's a little small package, and it had peanuts on it. And I was like, it's got to be peanut butter, right? It has to be. I get home, and it's like this gooey pastry filling. I mean, it was good, but it was not. Not peanut butter. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I'm like, I guess I'll pass it on the bread anyway. I ate it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's all about survival, man. It's just surviving. <laughs> right. For real, for real. But some of them can be good. Some of it could be like, oh, I didn't know what this was. And you're just like, oh, this is pretty. And then believe me, but I've tasted some amazing fruits here that I still yes. don't know the names of the fruits because I either can't pronounce them or can't remember what. Don't even start, Francis. She knows she how. She struggles, man. She struggles. <laughs> I try to help her out, man. I struggle really bad with images. I try. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> That's all that matters. You try. Exactly. What's some of your favorite foods in Belgium? Waffles. Waffles. <laughs> like, are, I can't. Seriously. Uh, they're just so good. They're better than the States? Yes. Yeah. So there's two styles of waffles. Oh, I'm going. There's the Brussels style waffle, which to me is what I would think of when we think of like a Belgian waffle. It's rectangular. It's got like the squares in it. but And it's like crispy and light. And then there is the Liege style waffle, which has sugar crystals in the batter. Stop. So it's wonderfully like sweet and like caramelized when they when they cook it. Oh my god! Ooh. 
And so, I mean, you can put things on them, you know, Nutella, whipped cream, sugar, but like you don't need to. I just need the waffle. Um, so the waffles and are it's, really the biggest thing there, really. Like seriously, like the to me, waffle. to me, yes, that's all I need. That, and I mean, they do have really good chocolate. Mm. Those are probably the biggest things. So it just makes I sense to get the waffle and pour the chocolate on top, so you get the best of both. You worlds. can see. I wouldn't do that with the Lee style waffle, but I would do that with a Brussels style waffle that doesn't have a natural sweetness but that's how they kind of get you at the waffle trucks is like oh the waffle itself is only two euro but each topping is like a euro 50 because you don't really need them got it but they know that you will pay for them as a tourist so Mm. she's over there drooling by the way (laughs) they get us every time i'll be here please come i am i'm like i'm on a plane ticket (laughs) yeah looking up flights right now i'm like (laughs) So, Ivana, have you been able to build a community? Have you made them some friends? Or what What has that experience been like for you? A little bit. It's weird, I feel like, living in a place because I have to be more open than I probably would be in most places where I'm living. When I'm traveling, it's sort of a different version of me and that I will be more open and talking to people because I'm like, I'll never see you again. So if I embarrass myself, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> Whereas now I'm here in a country that I don't know anybody. So I have to still sort of keep that same amount of being open and just willing to talk to people. I was actually hanging out with a friend yesterday. She lives in my neighborhood. We met because we park our cars in the same parking garage. We had to, I think I was technically switching into her spot. And so we had to give us each other's numbers so that we could figure out when to switch our cars. And I just randomly texted her and was like, hey, I just moved to this neighborhood. Would you want to get a drink sometime? Like didn't know anything about her, had never met her. I was like, she's, she texts like she's in my age bracket. So maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe this works out. And, you know, we met for drinks and like, have been awesome. super cool ever since then. That's what's up. That's how so, I am in Thailand. I see black people. I'll be like this. I'll be like, yo, yo, my brother, what's up? <laughs> I'll be like, hey. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it weird being here is there aren't many black Americans and mm-hmm. most of the ones who are are men yeah. and like are in the army. Like they work for NATO or something. So it's just a very different community, a very different experience in that way of building a community. I work with primarily Belgians, which I guess is also somewhat different because a lot of the international companies, it tends to be more of an international community within that. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's just an interesting place that I'm still figuring out. So it's interesting. I feel like Ivana is the first person that we've spoken to that has actually a car. Yeah. Yeah. You have a car. That came with the company cars are a big thing here in in Belgium. So essentially salaries are not that high and taxes are extremely high as well. I believe Mm -hmm. Belgium is like the number two country in the world for taxes. Mm -hmm. Because of that, in order to entice people, they give you other benefits, such as a car. Like I have a car and a gas card that I get to use throughout Belgium. Things like that, that I believe are taxed at a lower rate than if they were to give you cash or to pay you. So everyone pretty much has a car. All of the like new hires drive little like company branded Mini Coopers. (laughs) So like you'll see them. It's like really weird like be out in town. It's like, oh, that person. We work together. You know where they work. Exactly. You know where they work. Exactly. 
<laughs> exactly. No, that sounds cute though. So how long are you there for? Like what is it a, just a contract for like a year or just a project real quick or like what's the deal? It's a two year, I guess, contract. I'm, I'm supposed to be here for two years. So until September of 2019, a lot of people that I work with who are also here on deployments have extended and ended up staying a little longer than their original contract. So we'll see. Okay. And what do you think will happen at the end of that contract? Are you going to try to go back to the States or try to get another deployment somewhere warmer or (laughs) sunnier? I mean, Mexico is still on my list of things to do. Like I will live in Mexico at some point, but I think I may go back to the States for a little bit in between, but we'll see. My current project is a global project. So there could also be an opportunity to go to one of our other locations for that client. So nice. I don't know. I'm open. Right, so, well, yeah, open. Now okay. So I always, I, I, listen. you sure? <laughs> you sure, sure? She, she's she's going to let me have it later on. She's like, all you do is talk. You always take over the conversation. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like to ask this question, especially for our women. Uh, interviewees. How is dating like over in, <laughs> in Brussels? What's that look like? It's interesting. Like, it's cool because you do have so many people from all over. So you do get to like meet a lot of different people, learn different cultures, things like that. But my problem so far is the being a Black American and the fact that there aren't any other ones. So I feel sort of fetishized sometimes because I very much get the, I don't normally date. I do. It's weird. I have like this weird, like American privilege. Like I'm American before I am black here. It is a very weird experience to have, but yeah, like people, you know, I've gone on dates and guys are like, Oh, I don't normally date black girls, but you're not African. So, and it's like, but you're African. Like I, like I don't understand. Oh, so it's like a weird thing where people are really interested in me and really want to get to know me, but it's, yeah, it's not necessarily from like a genuine personal level but in a like i've only seen black american women in music videos kind are of you thing, one of them right <laughs> <laughs> right like, you get up and twerk 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 exactly it's very much like you're not what i expected or you know like it's a very interesting place to be and you have the whole international side of things where people are you know trying to meet people or hang out but belgians are very much They settle down really early. They don't necessarily get married. They're not a very religious people, so they won't get married. But there are so many people I work with who are my age or even a couple years younger who are like, oh, I've been with my boyfriend for 12 years. And I'm like, you're 25. Hey, when you see it, when you know it, (laughs) break up now, go date. I guess so. But I don't know. I feel like everyone has one friend who's been with someone since the beginning of time. But this is everybody that, you know, like people are in these really long term relationships and, you know, they have kids, they've bought property. It's a thing. And it's interesting when you do have the other side of somewhat of the more hookup culture, I guess, with the more transient international community. I don't want to stay in Belgium, but I also am not really necessarily looking for hookups. So gotcha. yeah. it's pretty much the same across the board. You're not alone. Yeah. Welcome to the club. At least you've been on <laughs> dates, girl. Ain't nobody dating nobody at Clemson. How about that? <laughs> I say this almost every episode. Dating is like non-existent. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where my next move is so I can go on some dates. 
yeah, it's not something you necessarily think about. I feel like you're just like, I'm going to move to this place and it's going to be great. Yeah. And then the, yeah, dating wasn't you're sitting in your room like, about. yeah. Or sometimes some people believe when they come here, they'll find that, for example, I'm just using Japan as an example, a Japanese partner. And they're looking at you like, yeah, that's not. No. Right. <laughs> so they're shocked. Yeah, because it's their it is culture. An it's an adjustment for everybody, no matter where you're from. It's just not easy. Yeah. So tell us, have you had any severe culture shock with living in, in Belgium? I wouldn't say it's been severe culture shock. There are things that are constantly annoying to me, like nothing is ever open at a convenient time. And I mean, like the grocery store closes at eight. And it isn't open on Sundays. The town hall, you know, and you're trying to get registered, they're only open eight to one, four days a week, and then eight to seven on one day a week. So then it's madness going on that day because it's the only day anyone with a job can go. Things like that definitely, I feel like, are taking some getting used to of just like, no, we just do things differently or believe in convenience in a different way. And then at work, like I said, most of my colleagues are Belgian. So I spend a majority of my time talking to non-native English speakers and everyone has a different sort of experience with the level with their English. So it's just a very international way of speaking. I constantly have to think about what I'm saying or how I'm saying it. So there are definitely times when it's like, I just need to go talk to an American because I don't, I need to communicate something and I don't want to have to explain myself like I need you to just get it or to just understand this colloquialism you know yeah it's pretty common so I think that's kind of where I'm at is you know dealing with that and also I feel like it somewhat makes me a better communicator because I do have to be more conscious about what I'm saying or how I'm saying it. Makes sense. So Francis likes to do these little things, like the little fun question. I don't know why she always puts it on me every episode. Please do not ask me about <laughs> my, like if I had an album title, because I've been thinking about it all week and I don't know what it would be. So don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least she's been listening. Alicia's been listening. I just want to say one thing. It's not just a Francis thing. Every episode you laid out on me. We appreciate you, Ivana, for listening. Since you know what's up. She's always throwing me under the bus. It's all good. You used to it. You started it. So I always say it's okay. I've been giving you accolades to say this is your thing. Is that what it is? It's not. You don't want them to be like, those crazy girls asked me a question that didn't make any sense to specifically point to Francis. Because she's the nutty one. She's the nutty one. I tell you that all the time. So, right, (laughs) she comes up. She comes up with these little questions that she likes to ask. So she did not ask about the album cover name or album name. So if you came up with one. We'll start with something a little easier. Oh, did you have one? No, I've been thinking about it. I still don't have one. Oh, okay. I was like, no. what? I was like, okay. No. Give it to us, girl. <laughs> we'll buy it. <laughs> All right. So we'll just ask an easy one. What food from the States are you missing the most right now? Although I know you love waffles, but it's like this, maybe there's one thing it just like. I do love waffles. I was just watching. Maybe this is because I was just watching a food show, but barbecue is something that mm-hmm. I'm missing at the mm-hmm. moment. Good old fashioned barbecue. Good old barbecue. Yes, yeah. yes. In terms of like package things, I'm pretty good because they have the American section in most of the larger grocery stores. So it's more expensive, but I can still get like my peanut butter or like Captain Crunch or those things. Did you um, say Captain, Captain Crunch? Crunch? Yes. <gasps> Girl, we don't see that in Asia. She loves herself some Cap'n Crunch. I love me some cereal. How about that? <laughs> I, I got 
cornflakes. That's what we want. Hey, yeah. I want some. Can yeah and regular milk that is something that i miss because most of the milk here is shelf stable and it's not quite the same as just like regular cow milk (laughs) it's shelf stable so like it's not in the refrigerator section right it's just oh it's one of those in a box right it's like on the shelf you can get regular milk but it is more expensive (laughs) not all the grocery stores have it there's like a british store that will they sell it so I was like, what? <laughs> it's all right. I mean, I don't, yeah. we don't have a lot of dairy in Asia, which is great. And I think it's actually been doing, I've been doing a lot better not having dairy. So like losing weight and stuff, not eating a lot of dairy products. There's not a lot of cheese. So we went to Lao for a visa run. And can I tell you, I had every cheese every which way I could. <laughs> Where did you find <laughs> cheese in Laos? Girl, because it's a lot of French restaurants. I in French place, so I had like onion. I had like onion yes. soup with the croutons with the um the I cheese on top, that. Swiss cheese on top. Yes. Yeah, I missed yes, out. Girl. We had pizza. Out. We had everything. We ate. We ate every cheese thing we could. Right, you know enough. what I mean? Enough. I know. Did you see my post on IG enough. with the cinnamon roll? <laughs> I did not. Thank God. <laughs> I tagged you in it. I bet you did. Because <laughs> you malicious. Like, so <laughs> rude. <laughs> I had cinnamon rolls. I was like, oh my gosh. Because when we were in Vietnam, Francis and I was going to this bakery to get their oh, yeah. cinnamon rolls. And every time we showed up, they were sold out by 10 a.m. Wow. So this bakery called Joma actually has well, bakeries in Vietnam, Hanoi, Laos, Cambodia, and I think somewhere else. So when I was in Laos, I went and visited the bakery. Girl, they had three on their shelves. We bought all three of them. <laughs> so good. Cleaned them out. Had them heated up so the icing was going. Oh, girl, please. Yes, oh, I, took a I bet you did. Cleaned them out. Yes, yes, yes. So one thing that y'all might not know about this girl, because she tries to come across as come across. so well spoken and articulate and everything. She loves about. to curse. Loves to curse. Oh, we're talking about you right now. <laughs> So <laughs> Francis and I both were raised in Boston. If anybody knows Bostonians, they have a certain word that they like to use on a regular basis. So let me t- ask you, what is your favorite curse word? Uh, fuck. <laughs> oh, yep. you were because got it together. Because look, I took yes, because you can use it in all forms. It's a noun. It's an adjective. <laughs> it's whatever you need it to be. And it could be angry or happy. Fuck. Exactly. Fuck. <laughs> All forms. Like just whatever you need it it's to good be. Good for every emotion. Exactly. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Hands down. That's my favorite one. Okay, y'all are related. Y'all are related somehow, some way. <laughs> All right, last one. What do you love to do? but you're just not good at it. See, I don't like doing things I'm not good at. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for example, I'll go first. For example, I love to sing. Karaoke. I love karaoke, but I can't Can't sing sing to save my life. But I do it anyway. Okay, then it would probably be dancing. Like, I'd love to go out with my friends and go dancing, but I'm not, I'm not even gonna say I'm not the best dancer. I suck. You got two left feet, Ivana? You got two left feet? A little bit. Like, I have a baseline. I do have rhythm. I just don't know what to do with it. So, yeah. You one of those? Kind of. (laughs) Like, what are they doing? Okay, can I do that? But I have, like, a a little two-step that, you know, keeps me safe if all else fails. two-step that you you practice for a while. You're like, yeah. Uh, Pretty much. If you had a badass two-step, you good. 
You good. You don't need anything else. It works with every beat. So it does. It really does. It really does. So Ivana, this was awesome. To wrap things up, if you could give advice Advice. to anyone who is considering working, living, moving abroad, what would that advice be? I mean, I guess for me, it's always like, just do it. Like, what do you have to lose? To me, it was like, I'm going to move to this country I've never been to. Don't really know anything about it. But if all else fails, I can always go home. (laughs) If I really don't like it, if it, you know, and it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But at least I tried and it's something new and I know what I do or I don't like and can use that information to make the next decision. Yeah, to just kind of go. I feel like we kind of think about, you know, all the things of why we can't do something about other people or others' expectations or Black people don't do that. And it's like, well, if you do it, then you do it. So, you know, then Black people do. So (laughs) just go. And I think you kind of just have to put all of those other thoughts or apprehensions aside and try it. I love that. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. So Ivana, what have you learned about yourself since being on this journey? What have I learned about myself? Okay, so I think the biggest thing for me is learning how important like having a routine is, even when you are somewhere else or doing something different, and how much that can just help sort of ground you and secure you. So I moved here. I don't know anybody. I know my job, but different people, different projects, different, everything was different. And I had to make it a point to sort of maintain my regular routine when it came to like, oh, getting up in the morning and like having my cup of tea and like swiping through Instagram and like just taking that time for myself. Because if I didn't, my whole day would just kind of be thrown off because you're in the beginning, you're very exhausted because everything is new and you don't get to operate on autopilot in the same way that you do when you you're at home and like, you know, everything in the grocery store, you know how to get to work and you know this and you know, you know, your day pretty much operates in a general sense on on autopilot. And I don't think I ever considered any of that until I got here and then had to make it a point to kind of keep those things, prioritize them more than I did before in order to be able to go out in the world and experience it and be open to it and not feel drained all the time. I love that you said that because I think we forget that. And I mentioned this in something that I wrote, but yeah, because you're in your someplace else, you got to figure out where you're going, what you're doing. At home, you don't think about any of that stuff. And you really are an autopilot all day long. Yes. And it's a big difference. Yes. Yeah. And when you're not organized, all things go to shit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very much so. I can tell you. I, listen, I know we don't we don't have time for that story. But yeah. <laughs> we don't. And I'm usually a very organized person, so. <laughs> but thank you so much for being on Chronicles Abroad. We truly appreciate you taking the time out to speak with Francis and I. We know that there's people out there that want to know more about you. So where can people find you if you're open to giving them your social media? Yeah, no, I'm. Instagram, I guess it's, I only really use it for traveling, but it's Ivana Rundle World, DA World. Okay. Look her up on IG, y'all, because I already started looking Please at your do. Pictures. I started doing it. <laughs> 
because I've never been. So I definitely want to see what it's like out there. And, you know, when I get off the plane, at least I know you got a car to come pick a sister up. I do. I work at the airport. (laughs) So, you know, it's not a problem. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've started taking weekend trips. I just, you know, leave work on Friday, walk down the the little runway to the airport. (laughs) And then Monday morning, I just... Go show up at work again. It's, that it's is fine. so cool. Wait a minute. Okay, before we wrap that up really quickly, where like where are you going for the weekend real quick? Give us a little taste. Of- uh, most recently, I went to Barcelona. I booked a trip to go to Berlin. And then I also have a trip on the books. I want to do a little road trip through Luxembourg and part of Germany. Nice. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, that's the great thing about Europe, right? Everything, once you're in Europe, is very accessible. And I think that's one of the main reasons why people, Mm -hmm. well, why I chose to live where I am. It's very accessible to other Southeast Asian countries. Mm -hmm. But once I get to Europe, I definitely want to plant myself somewhere where I can hop on that Euro train or book a straight little flight, keep it moving. No, Belgium is perfect for that because it is essentially the center. So, even driving Amsterdam is two hours. Paris is three. I think you can get to London in a few hours. Awesome. That's one thing I miss is road trips. Oh, that's awesome. What's our schedule like? <laughs> I guess we're going, going to Belgium. Belgium. What's your girl? What's your Are we going like? to Belgium? We got weekends because we're about to make our I think I got a couple of weeks off. We'll flight. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like we're going to eight countries. You ready, Ivana? <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> I will be here. I am ready. Please do. Well, Ivana, thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.